uh, with kind of a transparent heart that whatever's in our heart and, and really that, that should drive us then that if we care for one another and the Bible talks about caring for one another, walking in love towards another, but if we really care about each other, then when, then we can honestly, you know, say, well, how, how are you doing? You know, uh, and, and, you know, I've had people do that and uh, where it always seems like they were trying to get some dirt, though, you know, I mean, so, so, you know, you, uh, it's really your, what's your motives behind it? You know, are you trying to get some dirt, you know, or are you trying to, you know, uh, sometimes people say that to lord it over people, you know, they want, uh, but really, you know, if we can, if we can strive to, uh, to be sincere in these things, right, uh, and, um, um, and be honest with what's in our hearts that we care about people. That's really what the Lord wants us, right? Is have sincere love, have sincere faith, uh, and not be not put on the show that we're you know kind of trained to put on in the church uh, to be always happy. And um, and, and <clears throat> uh, you know the nice thing about living that way is then you can be the same everywhere you are, right? You don't have to have you know. I'm, I'm this person when I'm talking to these people. I'm a completely different person when I'm talking to these people. You're who you are everywhere you, where you go. And, and I know sometimes people get kind of an attitude of, well, that's just the way that I am, you know, and they're mean and grouchy. And, well, okay, you're honest, but you're wrong, right? I mean, it's okay. To, um, you know, you don't have to be so unkind. And I know people who said, I, I know when we moved to Tennessee, uh, you know, the tradition in Tennessee is you say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and that, those type of things. And that wasn't the tradition when I was growing up in New Hampshire. You know, we never, I, I don't recall ever saying yes, ma'am, or, uh, or yes, sir, to anybody, my parents or teachers or anybody, you know, but, the, you know, that was a, a fairly common um, tradition in Tennessee. And so I didn't have any problem picking that up. But I, people say, I, you know, I'm not going to say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, to anybody. And, and so now we have an, now we have an attitude about it, right? So, you don't have to have an attitude about things to be honest. Uh, uh, you know, some people, uh, they, they just, well, that's just the way that I am, right? That's just the way that I'm made. Uh, and, you know, that, that's kind of a cop-out because it's kind, of a, it's kind of saying, therefore, I'm never going to change. Therefore, I'm never going to strive to be a better person. I'm never going to strive to talk more kindly, right? Uh, and, um, you know, we should uh, be kind one to another, right? Tender-hearted, uh, Ephesians says. Uh, and... But that should be real. It shouldn't be, a, it shouldn't be a fake. It shouldn't be, well, this is what kind looks like, and we do that. It should be, this is, this is what is kind, right? When you say, how are you doing, and you, and you really want to know, then it's, it's clear that, you, that that kindness that you're asking that with is sincere, right? Uh, and so um, <clears throat> uh, don't, don't ever get into the rut, well, that's just the way that I am, because, uh, you know, people will say that and, and the implication is, and therefore I'm never going to change. You know, I never say that's just the way that I am uh, because uh, then there's nothing for the Lord to work with, right? He can't change me because, I, you know, you have to accept me for the way that I am. And even in a church, uh, the, uh, on occasion, people, uh, I know we were at a service one time and they were kind of having, it was kind of a youth service and they were kind of having... Um, the youth get up and testify and, and 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 several of them, not just one of them, but several of them got up and testified. You know, I want to thank uh, Jesus because he accepts me just the way that I am. Uh, and, you know, uh, and the implication is and therefore I never have to change. Uh, and so a lot of times people and I've seen this many times, people oftentimes will do something unique about their life, whatever it is. Right. 
Uh, and it's not even because they like that, right? It's because they don't want to be like that person over there. So, you know, maybe they got purple hair and I got, no, you don't have purple hair. I don't care. You know, I mean, I got, I got white hair, right? So I could be any, any palette, right? I mean, I got a great palette to start with. Uh, but, um, and so I don't really care if you've got purple hair, but why do you have purple hair? If you have purple hair, because most people have brown hair and you don't want to be like them. So there's almost an attitude of rebellion. Well, that's really the wrong attitude, right? I mean, if you just love purple, I mean, praise God, you know, uh, uh, and, and so could you have purple hair and be right with the Lord? I guess you can, you know, I don't know. Um, can you have purple hair and be wrong with the Lord? Well, sure, if you're doing it out of rebellion. Uh, and I've, no, I've observed that many times people will be different just to be different, right? But see, if you have that attitude, you're not sincere because you want to be different really so you can be seen, right? And so, you know, people will go out and they'll dress like John the Baptist, right? Or whatever it is. And they'll, they'll kind of have that John the Baptist, you know, they wear, you know, rough clothes and, you know, I guess eat bugs, you know, in the wilderness like John the Baptist did. And, uh, but a lot of times it's, it's not because, well, I just especially love grasshoppers, you know. It's because, you know, I want to be different so I can be seen and be a little rebellious. And, you know, Brother Randy was talking about some of that uh, when he was in um, uh, Canada a while back uh, in his service, and he was talking about America and how that, um, you know, we're kind of rebellious, right? And, you know, there, there's a balance to that because, you know, part of what drove people to come to America is, well, we wanted to worship God the way we want to worship God. So in order to do that, they had to kind of rebel against, you know, the, the, the structured church, you know, that was dead in, in the Church of England and the Catholic Church, but primarily Church of England there in, uh, in England, uh, and the conscripted uh, worship that they did, and, and they wanted to worship God freely. So, you know, you can see that as being kind of a rebellious attitude. And the same thing with the Declaration of Independence. You can see that as rebellion. But, you know, the Lord needed America to, uh, to blaze a trail that other people were unwilling to blaze. And so I believe that's why America was created, you know, that we could worship God and find the path. Of, and still, even today, America is, is probably the greatest uh, mission country in the world. Uh, and, and so we, we've done well over the years because of that. But, you know, you can also get wrong in that, right? You can take that to and then, then it becomes in the flesh, right? You know, I, I know back in the, in, in the, uh, uh, back in the, in the race uh, conflicts that we had back in the 60s, you know, historically, the church has done a terrible job about a lot of things, right? I mean, you go through, I mean, we were wrong about women for, for years, right? Especially in the, in the charismatic Pentecostal church. Women had to, you know, shut up and, and dress ugly and not wear makeup and not wear, you know, there was no rules like that for men. I mean, men could, you know, spend all the money on clothes and spend all the money in jewelry and whatever, you know, but for some reason, women were allowed to do that. Uh, and, uh, and then people would say, you know, from the pulpit, well, black people aren't as good as white people and just dumb things like that. And, and so there had to be a correction, right? The Lord had to correct that to get it back because there's nothing in the Bible that says that. And even people say dumb things like, well, you know, Black people were from were from uh, uh, Cain, you know, when he got the mark, and and that's how the Lord marked him, right? Well, how do you know that Cain wasn't black to begin with, and he got marked as white? White would show up a lot better than black, wouldn't it? Uh, and so, I mean, it's just a dumb thing to say, right? I don't believe that was what it was anyway, but uh, uh, and so you know, there was some correction that had to take place in the church, rightfully so. But see, then then the church took that and went. And that's fine, right? We should have done that. We did do that in, in a great way. We, no doubt we can do some more of that. But 
but then we took that and then we added things are outside the word of God, right? So if we're going to accept black people, then we should accept homosexuals and transgenderism and, you know, boys sleeping with dogs and, you know, cats and dogs sleeping with, with each other and, I mean, all kinds of crazy things, right? And it seems like uh, every day people come up with more creative ways to, to sin and say, you know, this is normal. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's really not normal, but uh, normal is defined by the word of God. Not, not, not normal is not defined by society, right? Uh, and so, so then we tend to take things that are correct and we, re- we add rebellion to them. We get out of the will of God. Uh, and, that's, and I think that's what Brother Randy was talking about, how, you know, we can take things and get out of balance there. And it, it's the same thing, you know, uh, if we would strive to be sincere, then our sincerity would line up with the word of God. And we wouldn't we wouldn't be under pressure to to be different for the sake of being different. Well, I'm going to do this, you know, and uh, sometimes people will have their hair super wild and because they want to be seen. Now, they act like they don't want to be seen, but but sometimes they do want to be seen. And I'm not anybody's judge. I'm not going to point to well that person over there obviously wants to be seen. I'm not anybody's judge. That's between them and the Lord. But if it's not sincere, then then you're going to struggle in your life. Right. Uh, And so. Uh, so how do you define that? Well, uh, the Bible says that the word of God is a, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the more you study the word of God, the more you'll see with, w- that whatever you're doing is either in the word of God, in the will of God, or it's out of the will of God. And you'll see that, well, your motivation is wrong. So I can't tell you, well, if two people got purple hair, which one is right and which one's wrong. It's not in my business, right? That's between you and the Lord. Uh, but the word of God can show you that the spirit of God can show you that if you're doing it just to be rebellious. Well, I'm not going to dress like the man, you know, and uh, and, and, you know, there's a big been a big push in the last probably 15 or 20 years about dressing down in church, especially the ministry. Right. You know, you don't have to wear ties. And uh, uh, and, and again, I mean, I don't care. You know, I mean, I'm going to wear a tie because that's for me personally. That's what I feel like I need to do. You know, feel like what I want to do. Uh, and it's really not like, I, like I'm under pressure from the Lord to wear a tie, but for me, it's I want to honor the Lord as best I can. Uh, and, uh, and that's you know, really why I wear a tie. It's not really any more complicated than that. There's not a thus say at the Lord uh, about wearing a tie because sometimes when I travel and do mission work and I'm preaching, I won't wear a tie in Africa at 120 degrees. You know, I'll, I'll typically will wear, I'll find clothes that the, the people over there are wearing, right? So they wear... And I've got some clothes at home, you know, they're just those long tunics, right? And you can get the little tunic hat, you know, and I look like, a, you know. Now, if you stand me beside a bunch of African people, I kind of stick out, right? You know, I'm not, not very dark-skinned at all, but, um, uh, but we have a good time anyway. And, and I feel just at home over there as I do in any other church that loves the Lord, right? So, so to be sincere, you know, it, it really, uh, you should be expressing your heart to people. And that's really the, the best sincerity you can have is when you're, when you're able to, to express your heart to people without feeling like you've got to hide it, right? Uh, and so uh, if you feel like you've got to be a different person with this group of people than, than this group of people, and what I mean by that is just, you know, completely different, right? You're so happy over here, and over here you're grumpy and mad over there, you know, over here you're, you're perfectly nice over there, you're, over here you cuss like a sailor over there, and over, the, you know, here you don't ever do anything wrong, over there you know you're, you know, you're telling dirty jokes or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So if one side is sin and the other side is not sin, then, you know, then you're kind of living a, a hypocritical life. Amen. Uh, and so. Uh, but again, that's that's for you to judge and for, for the spirit of God to judge. 
and, and we need to stay out of the judgment. Uh, you know, it's not my job to judge you. It's my job to judge me. Amen. And so this, this discussion here is not free to go. Yeah, it's that, you're talking about that guy over there. That's not, you know, you should never think, you know, you should think, well, Lord, how does that apply to me? Right. Uh, uh, you should think, yeah, get him, Lord. That's the wrong, that's the wrong attitude, right? You know, and so <laughs> we don't want to be that way, right? Uh, and so uh, we, we're uh, here in chapter 1, and let's start in verse 9, because Paul is praying this prayer, and he said, and, I, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. We talked about that. But if, if Paul prayed that your love may abound yet more and more, so continuous increase in your love, well, then if Paul prayed that, then we could pray that. Lord, I desire for my love to abound more and more, right? And we looked at that word abound means to superabound, right? So it's not just uh, a small increase in love, but love is the first fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians chapter 5, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, and so that means that fruit can grow and it can increase, it can multiply. So we're given a, a, an amount of love when we get born again, right? The Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts, but that love can grow. And this is the agape love, right? And so we should all strive that we grow in the agape love of God, right? Not as defined by the world, not as defined by religion, but defined by the, what the word of God is. And, and to me, the best definition of love is love, the love of God wants the best for you as defined by the Lord, right? Not as defined by me, not as defined by the world, but as defined by what the word of God says. And so the word of God says live without sin, right? Live a righteous life. And so uh, that would be the best for you. If that's what the Bible says, then that would be the best for you. Amen. Uh, and some people, you know, the rebellion in them. Well, you know, I want to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Uh, and, you know, some people are that way and, and they will struggle all their day, days of their life. You know, they may live a long life. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean the Lord's going to strike them dead. And, but, um, you know, if uh, <laughs> uh, there are plenty of people in a church who, who uh, want to play both sides of the field. Right. They want to live in the world, you know, Monday through Saturday and uh, live for the Lord on Sunday. And, uh, and the, the problem with that mentality is that means you can never have the best that the Lord desires for you, right? You're at, you're ha you'll have mediocre blessings at best. Uh, and, and the Lord is constrained in how much he's able to bless you. He's not, he's not withholding from you. He's not punishing you. He is constrained in his ability to bless you because of your choices. And, and that's really the best way to look at it, because a lot of times people will sin and, and something bad will happen. Well, God just, you know, uh, uh, God just got me for being so bad. No, God didn't get you for being so bad. Uh, God was constrained in blessing you because of your choices. And, and, and Paul said, neither give place to the devil. Right. That's what he said in Ephesians 427, which means don't give license to the devil to operate in your life. And a lot of times what happens is our choices uh, give the devil license to operate in life. Devil, please do bad things to my life. And the Lord's like, I would like to help, but there's this conflict between me and you, right? In fact, uh, we, we read there um, in, uh, in verse uh, 10 that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. So a lot of times our sin is an offense to the Lord, right? We're, we're in conflict with the Lord. Now, Paul said, if you if you have super abounding love, then then you can minimize uh, the amount of uh, conflict between you and the Lord. Right. Uh, that you can minimize the amount of offense between you and the Lord. Uh, and so instead of seeing instead of seeing that the Lord is punishing you or, you know, that you're uh, 
that, uh, you know, he, he really, he finally caught up with you or he's chastising you, right? Uh, we've looked at that before. In all the examples that Jesus uh, gave to us in the Gospels, uh, because he was a reflection of the will of God, did he ever chastise anybody in the Gospels? Do you ever correct anybody in the Gospels? Do you ever say, oh, you have little faith in the Gospels? Well, sure, he did many times, right? Actually, he did many. I mean, if you were his disciples, you know, uh, you, were, you know not what spirit you were of, right? Uh, he said that many things, right? He said, uh, you know, suffer the children to come to me, right? Now get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, he said a lot of things to correct the disciples, right? Uh, the people that were closer to him, right? Not, not the just religious leaders and the Pharisees, but the people that were closer to him. He chastised them many times. How many times did he put sickness and disease on him? How many times did he break your leg? How many times did they end up falling in a pit or something uh, in, in order to be chastised of the Lord? No, never. Uh, what, what did he use to chastise him every single time? His word, right? Every single, not a single exception did he ever do anything other than speak to him, right? He never said, hex on you. He never said, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, there's going to be a telephone pole drop on you or your donkey's going to run out of gas or, you know, you're going to be broke down on the side of the, uh, side of the road. None, none of that stuff, right? It was always the exact same way every single time, no exception, that the Lord chastised the disciples with his word. Uh, and so how do you think he's going to chastise us? With his word, right? By his spirit, with his word, he's going to chastise us today, right? So if you get out of the will of God, he's not going to chastise you by being out of the will of God, by causing an accident to occur in your life or by causing things to happen. Uh, those things will happen. He knows they're going to happen. Uh, he, in one sense, he has to, he has to let them happen because you've, you're the one who gave the license to the devil. The only one who can revoke that license is you. He can't revoke the license on your behalf. If, if you're in sin and don't want to repent, then you've given license to the devil to operate in whatever capacity he, he is able to in your life. And the only one who can change that is you right not the lord right? and so now you can change it. it's pretty simple just repent right not really that hard to to, uh, to revoke the license but um uh, he said here that we have the capacity to live without offense between you and the lord all the all the days of your life that'd be pretty good right and he said the, the the key to that is allowing your love to superabound. right now you have to choose to walk in love right you have to choose love is a fruit of the spirit so it has to be operated by faith which in essence then means it has to be a choice, right? Uh, God's not going to love people uh, around you uh, without, your, uh, without your approval, right? Uh, you're going to have to choose to walk in love. And, uh, you know, and it's amazing. I see people choose not to walk in love all the time. And in fact, I was talking to somebody the other day. They went, well, I'm having a hard time forgiving them. Uh, and and uh, I'm just going to, you know, I can't, I can't have them in my life anymore. Uh, and I said, well, you're, you're not really technically correct that you can't have them in your life anymore. Uh, I said, it'd be more, because that's in conflict with the word of God, right? I can't, I can't handle being around them anymore. I said, that's not really technically true. Because if the love of God is in your heart, then you have the capacity to put up with anything, right? I said, what would be more accurate is to say, I don't want to put up with them anymore. Uh, and they said, okay, well, then I don't want to put up with them anymore. I thought, that is the wrong choice. Because now you're saying with your mouth, I declare with my mouth, I choose to walk in unforgiveness. I choose not to forgive this person. Well, that's a choice. That's a really dumb choice, but it's a choice, right? Because you could just say, I choose to walk in love. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's just a choice, right? I choose to walk in love. 
And however that looks, it, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be sappy and approval and accepting of everybody's sin. And, you know, you, uh, I can walk in love with somebody who's in sin and I may not ever tell them that they're wrong. I may not ever rebuke them for being in sin, but I for sure won't ever accept their sin. Right. You know, some people feel like uh, in order to walk in love, you've got to be accepting of people's sin. You don't have to be accepting of people's sins at all. In fact, you would be found to be in error and out of the will of God if you say, I, I know you're in sin, but, you know, you're having a hard time. And so it's OK right now. It's OK to be in sin. You, you know, you don't have to say that. Just don't say anything. Right. Uh, and so now if they ask you, you know, what do you think? Well, you know, you're in sin. And so um, so uh, in all of those things uh, that, you know, really verses nine and ten should cause us to rejoice that, Lord, I, I have the capacity in my life to never have any offense between me and you. If I, if I walk in love and see the whole root of this, we looked at this last week in the area of sincerity too, the whole root of all of us is springing from the fruit of love. Uh, and the church could really learn to walk in some love more, don't you think, uh, about being kind to each other. And, uh, you know, my, my observation in all the years that I've been in church, and I've been in the church for more than 40 years, uh, that the, the, the most wonderful people I've ever met have been in the church. The kindest, uh, most generous people I've ever met have been in the church. And, and uh, you know, the opposite is really just as true. The meanest, hateful, most spiteful people I've ever met have been in the church, right? Uh, and that, why that is so, I couldn't tell you, right? I mean, to me, it's, it's beyond, beyond imagination that, that people could be that mean and have the Holy Ghost on the inside of them, right? Uh, you know, one person said, they were talking about me, is that if, if Chip Bolio was on fire, I wouldn't spit on him to put him out. In the church, tongue-talking church, right? Spirit-filled church, raising their hand, Shandai, Shandai, I love you, Jesus. But if you were on fire, I wouldn't even spit on you to put you out. And, and uh, you know, I'm thinking, well, if I was on fire, would I get a choice? I mean, you know, I don't know that I want you to spit on me anyway, you know, could you just, you know, dro stop, drop, and roll like we learned in kindergarten? Is that an option, right? Do you have a, a blanket, wet blanket or something you throw on me? Because you're kind of a wet blanket anyway, but maybe just jump on me, right? But, um, but you know, uh, and then one person said, and, and, you know, you think, you just sit around and think about these, these scenarios, right? Because first of all, are you just looking at somebody, you know, Lord, if they was on fire, I want to put them out. You're really thinking about that? I mean, that's really your, that thought crossed your mind? I mean, why that, right? Are you just like a pyromaniac? Are you just like fire or something? I mean, why that? But another one said, uh, if they were in a bottle and, and without air and couldn't breathe, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the top off. Like, you, you, you're just sitting around thinking about scenarios like that? I mean, who does that, right? But... But, you know, that was a Christian in church and a spirit-filled church, no less, right? Said that about me. If, if, you know, if he needed air, I wouldn't even take the top off and let him have any air. I'd let him suffocate to death. Really? You would do that? Wow. And, and you know what I ever did to, to those people? Nothing. With all sincerity and honesty, the Lord Jesus was standing right here. I've never did nothing to them. Nothing, right? Nothing that would ever warrant any kind of thought like that, you know? But there was kind of a mob mentality, long story, but, but the rest of that, but still. Now, now, I don't know how you could say, I mean, I, I, you know, I know people sometimes, you know, they get crossways and they just react in the flesh and, and say something or do something that, you know, they don't normally wouldn't do. But, I mean, how, do you, how, does a, how does a Christian meditate on a scenario like that, meditate harm towards another Christian and be desirous of their ill will? desirous of, of, their, of, of, of harm to come to that person. How does a child of God get to that point? You know, it's, 
I mean, everybody is capable of getting to that point. It's called searing your conscience is what it's called, right? It's, it's where your heart is so hard towards the Lord. When he tells you to forgive that person, I ain't doing it, Lord. They're deserving of, of, of uh, harm. You know, that, that is a tough place to be. That, and it's a dangerous place to be. Um, you know, uh, um, in fact, uh, let's, let's turn over real quick. We'll come back to, to there. Let's turn to, to uh, uh, Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is just, to me, it's a really good psalm because I learned th- this psalm has been a blessing to me for a long time. I don't know if we have time to go through the whole psalm because it's, got, you know, not a super long psalm, but psalm, but it's, it's got uh, quite a few verses to it. But we'll hit some highlights here. But um, uh, so th- this is David, right? And David wrote some great psalms. He, and so he says here in verse one, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. You know, David had a tendency when he wrote about Psalms, he talked about how wonderful and big the Lord is. He, he had some things he was trying to get to, but he always started it with, Lord, you're wonderful and massive and big and, and kind and precious. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength and whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. So, so verses one, two, and three, Lord, you're magnificent. You're, you're all powerful. You're my deliverer, all of these things. And then he starts talking about some of the things going on in his life. The sorrows of death compass me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. So now, of course, David is not saved, right? Not born again. Uh, but, you know, we can learn from, from his faith. Uh, he starts out with, Lord, you're my deliverer. So if he knows that the Lord is deliverer, her, if he knows if the Lord is his deliverer, then these things he's, he's talking to the Lord about, uh, he knows he's going to get out of them. But he's just, just in case, he's letting the Lord know about them anyway, right? And so, uh, the sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, and the snares of death prevented me. Uh, you know, a lot of times people feel this way, and they're experiencing life like this. But a lot of times they start in verse 4, don't they? Uh, oftentimes Christians will start in verse 4. They won't start in verse 1. You should always start in verse one and declare that, Lord, whatever I'm going through, you're my deliverer. And, and if you'll do that, you'll be a person of faith. See, a person who just wants to gripe and complain, Lord, the sorrows of death compass me about. And he says in verse six, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And he heard my voice out of his temple. Do you know the Lord hears your uh, voice out of his temple? See, David is a man of faith, right? Um, you see, it, there's really no, no big problem in, in telling the Lord your problems, right? Sometimes... In the charismatic world, the confession police tell us we're not allowed to, to voice any problems, right? Oh, don't say that. Don't, don't say you're sick. Don't say, you know, that, uh, uh, that you're having problems with people. Uh, you know, that, uh, saying that you're sick is different than saying, I'm always the first one to get sick, right? One is just a statement of, of what you're going through right now. One is a confession of faith, right? In a negative sense. I'm always the first one to get sick. So don't make any confessions that... You know, well, my grandpa, you know, he had that. He died from that three times. And, and uh, you know, I'm probably going to die from that, too. Well, that's, see, that's a confession of faith, right? Which is bad. You know, you don't want to have a confession of faith in, in the negative sense. But saying, hey, I'm dealing with this right now. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of a Captain Obvious statement, right? So, you know, David uh, didn't say that I'm, I'm always the first one to have sorrows or death on me, right? He just said, right now, this point in my life, this is what's going on. And he said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. 
So do you believe that? You know, we got First John 5, 14 and 15. Uh, 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 and they, they talk about uh, how, you know, the Lord will hear you, right? Uh, and if he hears you, uh, then you then you have the petitions whereof you, you've asked him. Uh, and so uh, he said, my cry came before him even into his ears. And in verse 7, he, he, shifts, he shifts focus now to what's the Lord's response? Uh, so he starts out with, Lord, you're magnificent, you're wonderful. And he says, Lord, I've got these problems and they're really big problems. Uh, and, and, and then he said, and the Lord heard. And here's the Lord's response. He said in verse 7, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundation also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Well, why is he angry? He's angry because his, his uh, man after his own heart is experiencing difficulty. And he doesn't like it. He is not happy. He's not happy with who's ever causing this to occur in David's life. Uh, and he said, there, there went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down. A darkness was under his feet. He rode upon a cherub uh, and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed. Hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. This is all response to David telling the Lord, people are trying to harm me. And the Lord's not having any of that, right? Uh, and this is, uh, and he, so he continues. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them and he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of water were seen and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy. So you see, now he, he's continuing in his faith, right? So, Lord, you're magnificent and wonderful. Lord, I've got these problems. And the Lord says, I'll take care of it. And David, and David says, he delivered me from my strong enemy. Well, how many different strong enemies did David have? The Philistines, Saul, right? Different people in his life. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me. For they were too strong for me. But they weren't too strong for the Lord, right? Well, see, you know, sometimes people have a hardest time testifying about how good God is. They have the hardest time testifying about being delivered for something. It's like, uh, well, what are you dealing with right now? Well, not anything. The Lord's delivered me out of everything. You know, right now, nothing going on. And some people have a hard time with, you know, living in that. You know, it's always, well, how are you doing? Oh, you know, and you hear them back up the dump truck, right? And they never get out of anything. Well, how can you not, if the Lord's your deliverer, how can you never get out of anything? I mean, you should be getting out of things, right? If the Lord's really your deliverer. And now, is David unique? I mean, is David, uh, like, I got a special case relationship with the Lord that the Lord won't do these things for you too? The Lord will do these things for you too, right? And see, this is, this is what I'm thinking. Uh, whenever I'm dealing with conflict, this is my, my, my psalm right here. When people are really, really unkind to me, this is my psalm. I love this psalm. Because I think, well, Lord, they're that, uh, see, cause, uh, well, let's finish off because we've got we to get to the rest of this here. We might as well just go through the rest of this, the part where we're going to anyway. Uh, and he said, in verse 18, they prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. And then he says, verse 20, so this, this is kind of... Um, uh, getting into into David's part of things, right? The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. 
For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me and I did not pull away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him and I kept mine, myself from mine iniquity. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight. So, so David, Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, I've got these problems I'm dealing with. The Lord said, that doesn't make me happy. I'm going to deal with it in a, in a large way. And, and David said, then David said, the key to all of this working uh, is verses 20 and 24. According to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. Uh, and so one of the things that if you want to develop a relationship with the Lord to such an extent that whatever you're going through, he's your deliverer then it's, uh, it's vitally important to you that you are the innocent one. Amen? I mean, if you're just as guilty as somebody else, you know, if they called you a name and you called them three names, well, the Lord's going to deliver me from you, you, you blankety blank, blank, blank. But, you know, that's probably not going to happen, right? According to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, right? Uh, and and um, uh, so, you know, so there's some qualifications, right, for the, for the Lord to operate like this on your behalf. The qualification is, what has been your part in this situation? Right? What has been your part? What have you done in this situation? You know, you've, you, you've heard me tell a lot of the stories with my pastor over the years and, and a lot of the conflict that I went through. Uh, and, you know, with, with all sincerity, I can tell you that as, as much as I was concerned, I was innocent in those things. Now, I had to deal with my own heart, you know, where I got in bitterness and, 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 and got my feelings hurt, right, and was brokenhearted and, uh, and just you know, a lot, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety in those years. But as far as being, uh, causing any conflict and harm to anybody, uh, you know, with all, uh, my hands were clean. They were always clean. Uh, and, uh, you know, they accused me of trying to overthrow the church and trying to take over the, you know, that my pastor told, said from the pulpit on a Wednesday night, Chip Bolley wants to take over this ministry. He said that from the pulpit. And, and, you know, and all I ever wanted to do was help the man. The Lord sent me there to help him. All I ever wanted to do was help him. I had no designs on his pulpit. I had no designs on his stuff. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to help. That was my desire. That was my goal. That's why I was there. Uh, and, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, he, he got crossways with that. And, uh, but see, because I, because I was innocent, I knew I was innocent in those things, I could rely upon the Lord. He, now, he took care of it, right? He took care of the whole thing, and I didn't have to, slash any tires or you know one person said well you need to stand up and rebuke the pastor yeah i'll get right on that right uh you know because see that would be me usurping authority well then i would no longer have innocent hands right i would no longer have uh be innocent in that situation you know people uh, feel like sometimes they, they need to strongly rebuke me as the pastor and it's happened many times over the years right strongly rebuke me right i mean the bible says don't strongly rebuke an elder that's what the bible says right and, and you're a terrible pastor. You're not teaching anybody. You're causing your sheep to starve to death. And you're wrong about how you run the church and how you spend the money in the church. And that's kind of strongly rebuking because last time I checked, it's not really any of your business about what I preach, right? I mean, do I submit my, my uh, topics to teach to, to the uh, preaching committee? Is there a preaching committee? You know, I mean, uh, I've got to do my part, which is to believe God that, you know, Lord, what do you want me to teach and preach on? And, and to the best of my ability, that's what I'll do, right? Uh, and so, uh, so in that, then, uh, see, I rely upon uh, Psalm 18. So when people come, 
to me and they're really harsh towards me and really unkind towards me and they, they've been over the, you know. And, and, you know, I don't know why that's, that's been uh, a theme that has occurred many times in my life. And I don't know, you know, I don't think, well, Lord, you know, why is everybody picking on me? I don't have a Charlie Brown mentality. Uh, but I have, I have walked through a lot of things where people would just be really unkind to me for, and, and I hadn't done anything wrong, you know. And, and um, I told you, uh, uh, I was, uh, when I was in college, we had a uh, college organization uh, and uh, just a fellowship organization for Christians, you know. And so uh, I was elected to be, they called it a large group coordinator, which just means we met as a group uh, once a week. And I was responsible for that group meeting, right? I would have to give a message or find somebody to give a message. And, and then somebody would sing and, you know, and, and so I uh, did that for, for uh, one of the years that I was in school. And um, so there was, there was always an adult uh, uh, what do they call that advisor, right? So the uh, and the national organization would appoint an adult advisor to help us, and but it was pretty much run by the students, right? And so, uh, so the first advisor we had, she was amazing, just a great person, you know, kind and always easy to talk to, and you know, you could bounce off ideas, you know, with her, and you, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this, you know, and she was always very supportive, and and, and so we can't have that. So they got rid of her and, and they gave us this other guy, right? And so this other guy's like, hey, you need to do it this way, this way, this way. And, and I'm thinking, but that's not the way we want to do it. You know, that's not the way I want to do it. And, and it's, your job is to advise, not to dictate. And so basically I just kind of ignored him. I didn't, you know, I didn't rebuke him and say, you know, you don't know anything. And I just kind of ignored him, right? And just, you know, he would suggest something and, and, I, and I would think, well, that's dumb. We're not doing that because that's super religious and just, you know, it take, snuff out the life of God out of the whole service and, uh, and so, um, but it wasn't my job to rebuke him. You know, he's my elder in a sense. And so, so he said, hey, uh, you want to go to lunch sometime? Well, sure. You know, I thought, well, you know, maybe he wants to try to get along a little better because, you know, we weren't getting along very well because he kept trying to dictate, you know, from his religious mentality. Uh, and, and, um, and, you know, I just didn't really want to do any of that stuff. And, and really, the way it was set up, I wasn't obligated to do anything he said. It wasn't like he was in authority over me. He was just supposed to be advising, right? But anyway, so we went to lunch, and I'm just, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, going good, you know? And, and then he looked at me and said, you're the worst person in the world. You know, you're terrible. You're full of pride. You know, you, you think you know everything, and, and blah, 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 blah. And just went on, you know? And, and so I'm just eating my sandwich or whatever. And, and I'm thinking, what? what did I ever do to you, you know? I never did nothing to that fella. Uh, and, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't like it that I wasn't willing to cow, kowtow to him uh, and bow down at his feet and tell him that, you know, whatever. But, um, and so, um, and then years later, um, you know, after my pastor died, we were still at church for about five months. And one day the Lord said, it's time to go. And so we left and uh, we didn't kick the dog on the way out. We didn't, you know, stand up and rebuke the church. You all bunch of, you know, deadheads and you know the lord rebuke you all of you and, and you know we just left and, and uh we called the, the pastor's wife she was still running the ministry and said hey we're leaving and why are you leaving well, the lord said it was time to go are you mad no did somebody do something no or you disagree with what we're doing right now no i just we're leaving because the lord said it's time to go and you know that makes it pretty easy right i don't have to correct them rebuke them or anything and uh and, and um and then after that you know we never we never called the sheep, hey, you need to leave that church, you know, and shut her down. That's not, that's, you know, they got the Holy Ghost in them. If they need to leave, the Lord will show them, right? If they need to stay, the Lord will show them. And I even had people call me, hey, can we come up there with you? I said, no, not unless it's the Spirit of God telling you to leave. You can't come up here just because you don't like whatever decision you don't like at the church. That's a terrible reason to leave. Uh, and as far as I know, they're still there at that church. 
But a couple of years later, when I was uh, I was talking to, to Dr. Dufresne, and and he actually knew our church. He had been he had ministered at our church with my pastor once or twice, and um, and so he asked me the question. He said, "Well, how did you leave?" Well, that's a pretty good question, right? Because a lot of people, well, I left and, and I took 20 people with me and I just caused them all kinds of financial difficulty and they, they had to end up shutting down because, you know, I made sure they weren't going to get the funds they needed to continue with the church. That would have been a terrible thing to do, right? Uh, well, I didn't do any of that stuff. And, uh, but uh, uh, I kind of laughed when he, when he asked me because I said, I said, well, I said, Dr. Dufresne, I said, as far as me and the Lord Jesus are concerned, I said, I left the right way. I said, that may not be the same opinion you get from other people, but... I did nothing to harm the church when we left, you know, and, and because my hands were going to be innocent, right? Now, since then, people that, that, you know, we used to know, they won't even talk to us. You know, we'd see them at Walmart, and they would walk, you know, go to a different aisle, not even make eye contact with us, you know, like we were somehow the enemy. And, and I mean, people that, it was, it was funny because there's one lady in particular, she was a retired person, and I can't tell you how many times it helped her with some, some wisdom and counsel about how to handle her finances and what different things she could do and Blessed him with all kinds of stuff over the years, you know, just me personally, my, my family personally helped their family many times over the years. And then we left, didn't say nothing to them or anything, you know, to, unkind or they wouldn't even talk to me, wouldn't even, you know, wouldn't even look at me in the eye and, at Walmart, you know, and for years we'd helped them and blessed them, right? And, and been good to them, kind to them and polite to them. Uh, and, uh, but we left and, and so, um, uh, and then some people said, well, because you know, about a year after that, we started this church here, and, and then um, about a year after my pastor died, and, and um, they said, well, you have an unclean church. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, how would you know? You've never been here, right? I mean, you know, what's your criteria? Are you talking about the, the carpet, or, you, you know, what, what, what's your criteria, right? And, and you ever heard a phrase called the unclean church in the Bible anywhere? So it's not a biblical phrase, right? I mean, there's no such thing as, a, as an unclean church, right? Uh, there's unclean actions, no doubt. But, um, uh, and so, so, see, my responsibility in that is to be innocent. I could have called them up and said, how dare you say that, you know? And, you know, you're, you're, you, think you're, you think we're unclean, you're twice as bad as me. Well, see, then that, that does not allow me to depend upon Psalm 18 because now my hands are not clean, right? Now I'm not walking in righteousness. Uh, so I want to depend on Psalm 18, I want to claim Psalm 18. The Lord, you do, and, and the way I tell it, uh, Lord, uh, first of all, I ask you to forgive them. Secondly, I ask you, Lord, to, to not hold anything that they've done against me to their account. And then I say, Lord, you deal with it however you choose. If you want to grant them mercy, praise God, Lord, I'll hook up with you 100%. If you want to do anything else, that's between you and them. None of my business. And, and see, in all of that, in my prayers, I'm always innocent too. I'm not going to, Lord, get them. Lord, you know, cause their car to explode on the interstate, right? Lord, cause them to drive down I-95 during a winter storm. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, that would not be innocent, right? That, that would be me taking the place of the Lord and dictating how somebody's sin should be dealt with. And that's not, that's not my job, amen? Uh, and so, you know, all of that, we, now we go back to, to, uh, to Philippians chapter 1. You know, all that really goes back to walking in love, amen? I'm going to walk in love. If it hair lips the devil and, and um, you know, if some people don't like it, I'm still going to walk in love, right? And if people want to be unkind towards me, um, it's never going to be to my advantage to be unkind towards them, right? How is it ever going to work out for you to return evil for evil? Uh, well, I'm good. I just had to show them. I just had to tell them off, right? Well, okay, but then you're no longer qualified for Psalm 18, right? I, be, I, want, I want the Lord's nostrils to breathe fire when people do things to me, right? 
And then he can do, he can, after that, he can do it however he wants to, but, you know, he can get riled up and then he come down and show mercy, right? You know, but I, I want the fire of the Lord to be kindled when, when, when people, especially the people of the world, do things that are unkind towards me or the ministry, right? Uh, I want the Lord to be, to be obligated to assist me and deliver me from all of my enemies. When they're too strong for me, I want the Lord's back, right? I want the Lord to have, have my back to, to support me and to protect me and deliver me. But I can only do that if I walk in love, right? If my hands are innocent, right? Uh, and so uh, praying that your love may superabound allows you to live a life that is innocent, allows you to live your life that your hands are clean and that uh, uh, the Lord doesn't go, well, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, so I don't know who to pick, right? Looking at both parties, they're both wrong. So what, what, which way would the Lord go? There's no way to go, especially if it's conflict between two Christians, right? You ever had conflict with another Christian? Well, sure you have, right? Well, if you're just as wrong as them, who's, whose side is the Lord going to pick? I, I want the Lord to always pick my side, you know, because I want to I always be right with the Lord. Uh, and if somebody says, if he was on fire, I wouldn't spit him out. The Lord, you know, bless him. I know in Tennessee that means they're stupid, but, uh, you know, uh, but my prayer is, Lord, you know, bless him. To the be- very best of your ability, I ask you to, to, show, to shine blessings upon him, rain blessings upon them. Because then the Lord can deal with it however he chooses, right? And then I'm not standing in the office of the judge. So he said that your love may superabound, yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus unto the glory and praise of God. So verse 11 finishes the, the prayer there, right? Uh, be filled uh, with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Uh, you know, the, the, a lot of times, uh, and, I've, and I've heard many times people talk about how, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't talk like a Christian. You shouldn't act all righteous, you know. Um, I, I think it's perfectly fine to act like the Bible says to act. You know, you don't have to cuss like a sailor to win the lost. Right? You, don't have to, you don't have to be someone who's always down on her luck, so to speak, to win the lost. It's perfectly fine to walk in righteousness in the blessings of the Lord uh, and and uh, and tell people that this is okay to live this way, right? But sometimes in a church, uh, for whatever reason, I think it's rebellion because because he said that we should have fruits of righteousness, right? In other words, fruits of right living, right standing with the Lord. There should be fruit that's born because of that lifestyle. Uh, and uh, and Paul Paul said being filled, crammed. That word filled there means crammed to the com- to, to the fullness, right? Um, with fruits of righteousness. So it should be perfectly fine and normal for a Christian to walk in righteousness and uh, to see the fruits of that, right? Uh, and so didn't, didn't Jesus, uh, go back to, uh, to John chapter 15, right? Jesus said a little bit about that in John 15. <clears throat> he said in John 15, of course, we know John uh, 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So in this case, the fruit that he's talking about is a fruit of answered prayer. Uh, but the, the church, the Christians should be bearing fruit, right? We should, we should be able to see because we're our, the fruit of the spirit, right? So we've got nine different fruits. We're not just a single fruit tree, right? We're a nine fruit fruit tree. Uh, and we should have all kinds of fruit being born in our lives. And, and Jesus said one of the fruits is having your prayers answered, right? And but people say, I'll never get my prayers answered. Well, then it's probably because you're not abiding in him. Right. I mean, he gives it. If you buy to me, my words are by you. Ask what you'll and shall be done unto you. Uh, 
well, then, uh, you know, if you're not getting your prayers answered, then uh, aren't there some qualifications to verse 7, right? What are the qualifications? Abide in him, his words abide in me, and ask, right? There's three qualifications. And if you meet all those qualifications, then he said, it'll be done unto you. So if it's not being done unto you, either the Lord lied and didn't mean any of this, or you violated one of those three principles, right? Either you're not abiding in him, well, when's the last time you talked to the Lord? I never talked to the Lord. Well, then you're abiding him. Uh, and my words abide in you. You know, do you meditate on the word? Do you study the word? Do you read the word? No, I never do. That's, you know, it's too hard to do. Well, then you violated that, right? Uh, and ask what you will. Well, uh, the Lord knows I need it. If he, if he wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Well, then somewhere you violated one of those three principles, right? So if you're not getting the things that you, that you ask or have need of or desire, then check up on the qualifications of the verse, right? And he said that uh, you can bear much fruit. So the Lord desires for us to bear much fruit, right? And he called it in, in Philippians 1.11, fruits of righteousness, right? You know, there, there is fruit that is born just because you live right. Uh, there are a lot of things that you get just because you live right, not because you even asked, right? I mean, we, he did say to ask, which is fine. But there are fruits of righteousness, fruits of, of living a righteous life between you and the Lord uh, to the very best of your ability that you get just as a fringe benefit of walking in right. Now, what is that? Well, it's whatever the Lord chooses to, to bless you with, right? Uh, and, but, you know, some people, I never get nothing from the Lord, which I know is a double negative, but uh, uh, some people say it that way. Um, I never get anything from the Lord. Uh, well, do you have any righteousness going on in your life? Are you living a right life? You know, see, to me, when I, when I, see, these, when I see these verses, to me, it encourages me that it's worth the effort to live this way. Because if I live this way, if I live a righteous lifestyle, if I live a lifestyle that's, that's innocent, right, that's my, my hands are innocent, right? If I live a lifestyle that, that declares that the Lord is big and good, um, then I get things in my life, right? And to me, that's a way better than, than well, I get nothing from the Lord. Well, why are you not getting anything from the Lord? You know, check up on your relationship with the Lord. You know, when was the last time you talked to him? When was the last time you obeyed him? When was the last time you read his word or meditated on him or told him how big he was like David always did, right? Uh, and, and so this is, the right, this is the right way to live, but it, there's a big cost to it, right? The cost is you have to deny your flesh, right? The cost is when you want to retaliate, you say, I choose not to retaliate. And, and in fact, I not only choose not to retaliate, Lord, I ask you to bless that person. Be good to him. Speak to them. Remind them that you love them, Father. Prosper their business. Uh, give them a raise. You know, I, I go all out. When somebody does something to me, I, Lord, I, I, you know, I want the, the windows of heaven to open up on their behalf because I'll not be found to be against the Lord or to be against the love of God, right? Uh, and, uh, I mean, I just feel like I'm, I, I just, I got a wonderful life and I would trade nothing for it. And I think, you know, sometimes I wonder, why wouldn't, why wouldn't people want to be happy all the time? I'm happy all the time. Why wouldn't people want to be healthy all the time? I'm healthy all the time. Why wouldn't people want to be prosperous all the time? I'm prosperous all the time. Why wouldn't people want that? Well, then, you know, a lot of times they want that along with their flesh, right? You know, I want the blessing of the Lord, but I want to also walk in the flesh. It doesn't really work that way. Fruits of righteousness doesn't work that way, right? Fruits of righteousness is fruits of living, uh, living your life according to the will of God, right? Uh, and so is it worth it? Is there value in, in living that way? Well, see, until you get in your heart that it's valuable to live that way, then you'll live however you want to live, right? 
and you'll suffer the consequences or suffer the lack of blessings from the Lord and be on your own, you know. Well, I've made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it, you know, whatever silly things we say sometimes, right? Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> so uh, there, there can be and should be fruits of righteousness, right? Things that are blessed you in your life, that are blessings in your life because of how you live. And uh, if you can ever get it settled in your heart that this is the right way to live, whatever the cost, whatever you've got to give up, whatever anger, whatever, you know, habits, whatever uh, lifestyle choices, you know, you know, nobody talks to me that way, right? See, then see, you're not willing to give it up. You don't, you don't say something unkind to me. That's on you, not on me, right? I will not retaliate unless the Lord says to do something, right? Now, if the Lord says to, you know, say something and I got no problem saying it, but you know, the last person that said, said something really, really unkind to me, I said, well, I, I hope you find, you know, hope you find a pastor that can help you. That's what I told him, right? And uh, that's all I said. Now, I could have said a lot of things, because I knew a lot of things, but, you know, in fact, when I, when I went to go talk to him, the Lord asked me a question, and I th- it was really odd. He, he says, uh, the question that he asked me, he says, uh, what kind of a man are they? That was a question he asked me. Uh, and so I didn't know uh, what kind of a man they were, but I said, Lord, uh, but I knew what he was asking. I knew what he was getting to. I said, Lord, if he's the kind of man that, that you want him to be, when I go to and talk to him, he'll repent. Because if the pastor shows up on your doorstep, you know, hopefully you'll repent, right? If, if I came to talk to you about something, right? And if I just go get your cookies or something, you know, you don't need to repent, obviously, right? But if I go, you know, with my big boy hat on and come talk to you about things that the Lord told me to come talk to you, you know, what kind of a man are you going to be, right? Um, and so nobody wants to be called to the principal's office, but I've been called to the principal's office with the Lord many times. I mean, he, man, I mean, sometimes I feel like all I do is go to the principal's office, right? Uh, and so, so um, uh, I want the fruits of righteousness in my life, amen? I want fruit just by existing in a righteous life with the Lord, blessings come. That's a good way to live, amen? Uh, and he said that we can be crammed, filled, with the fruits of righteousness, right? You ever cram things in? You know, that's the way I do my garbage can. I cram it in there, right? I mean, we, we fill it up and then I cram it down there, right? I think we can get one more thing in there, right? I, I, we, you know, we're not taking the garbage out a whole week, right? Uh, and, and so I cram it in there, right? Now, it's impossible to get the bag out of the garbage can when you do that, right? But you're jerking on the thing, you know, and, uh, because you crammed it all in there, right? Yeah, and uh, I can see from your reaction, you, you, you all are just exactly like me, right? So I got to cram it in there, right? Uh, and so... Uh, and then you cram it in and it's, it's so heavy that they have to have a hydraulic truck, you know, to pick it up right off the ground uh, when they empty out the garbage can. So uh, that may not be the best analogy for cramming the, the fruit of righteousness in your life. But, you know, the, the point gets across there, right? Uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over is what, what he's talking about, right? That's the kind of life that he wants us to have. Uh, and uh, is it worth the effort? See, you've got to get settled in your heart, Lord, whatever the cost. Whatever, the, whatever it takes to get there, Lord, I'll do that. Whatever I got to stop doing, I'll do it, Lord. Whatever I got to start doing, I'll do it. If you want it bad enough right now, if you just, you know, I mean, in America, you can get by just, you know, government subsidies and, you know, blessings from people. You know, people help you out a lot of times and, and you don't have to do much of anything and, you know, maybe you're okay. Uh, you know, it could be better, but, you know, you, you may be satisfied with the way it is, right? Man, I'm never satisfied. I want everything the Lord wants for me, everything. If there's more, I want it all, right? If it's for me. Now, I don't want your stuff. I want all my stuff, amen? Because I know in my, just in my account, there's all kinds of stuff that, I, that belongs to me that, Lord, if I can live uh, 
to the, to the best of my ability a life of righteousness, then I'll get that fruit that belongs to me. It's got my name on it, but, you know, I have to be qualified to obtain it many times. I'm not earning it. It already belongs to me, but I have to still do my part in, in order to obtain it. Uh, you know, I want to live that way. Uh, and I don't even know what else is out there for me, but I know there's more because I'm breathing air. I'm bre- if I'm breathing, there's more. Amen. Uh, and so is it worth it? See, I think it's worth it. Uh, and, and until you get that settled in your heart that it's worth it, that's worth the cost. Uh, I mean, it's a great cost, right? I mean, if you think about how hard it is to change who you are, change what you've done for 100 years to stop doing that or start doing it. Sometimes there's a great cost. It's, it's painful sometimes, right? You got to bite your tongue sometimes. A lot of times you got to bite your tongue until until there's no more biting there, right? Uh, uh, and, and you know, just like uh, uh, it, it was probably I don't know about six months ago, maybe well, probably about four months ago. Uh, I I was talking to somebody, and just right in the middle of talking, this this wasp came up and stung me on my thumb. Very disrespectful, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> I can't believe it's, I mean, I'm just minding my own business, right? I mean, it's flying around. It's like, well, it's, you know, I'm not bothering it. It won't bother me. And it stung my thumb. And so it, it's life came to a quick end after that. Uh, and, and, and so the fellow I'm talking to, he said, he said, oh, I bet you got some, some, some bad words fixing to come out. I said, no, not a single bad word. You know why there's no bad words fixing to come out? They're not in there. See, sometimes people got to bite their tongue because they're in there. Paul said in the book of Ephesians, put off the old man. He didn't say keep him in, under, hidden somewhere. He said put him off. So if he's off, then he's not in there trying to come out, right? And so when you get stung by a wasp, you know, and why'd you get stung by a wasp? Because it was there. And it didn't know any better, right? I mean, it should have known that, I, that uh, I'm a child of the living God. It, doesn't, it, it shouldn't dis- disrespect the kingdom of heaven. And it did. And so it's no longer in the kingdom anywhere. Uh, and so, uh, but, um, but see, See, that's not in me, right? There is no cussing in me at all. And I can't tell you how many Christians, when I say that, they look at me like a cow at a new gate. Like, that's not even possible. Uh, we've been married for 30, 32 years. You ever heard me cuss? You ever heard me almost cuss? No. You. <laughs> I mean, some people, you know, they'll start doing all the star, asterisk, exclamation mark, you know, the pound sign, you know, the, so you know they're cussing, but they can't really say the words, you know. Oh, shoot, or foot, or. You know, that's the same thing as cussing. It's just not using the dirty words, you know. And, and so there's nothing wrong with cussing those words. Well, pray to the Lord for those words, right? Go kiss your mother with those words, right? You know, they're bad words. You know, your heart, you know, in your heart, they're bad words, you know. I mean, before I was saved, I was 12 years old. I, I think I told this story before. But when I was 12 years old, I, you know, I became 12, so I'm a man now. So I, I started cussing, right? Now, I wasn't saved yet, but because that's what you do when you're 12. You start cussing, right? Uh, and, and so I started, cu- and, and I got under so much conviction. Just, I mean, just every time I'd cuss, it'd be like a whisper. Like, hey, how you, you know, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even say them out with any confidence, right? It was just, just no confidence whatsoever. Now, some people, they got a lot of conf- confidence when they cuss. I mean, you know, there's wallpaper comes off the walls and everything, right? I mean, that's the way my, I, that's the environment I grew up in, right? Cussing this and all, I mean, so many four-letter words. I didn't know words had more than four letters till I got to high school, right? And, and so it was just a lot of, lot of cussing going on in my household growing up. And when I turned 12, I assumed that that's when you start, right? And so I tried, and I tried for months and months, and finally I just, I just gave it up. I was so bad at it, I just quit doing it. And, and, and so, because I think there, it gets to a point where it's like any sin, when, when you allow that sin to get into your heart, it becomes who you are, right? 
And the only way to get rid of that is to repent, to get it out of you, right? Put off the old man, right? Not just suppress it and bite, it, bite a nail. See, I have to bite a nail when that thing stung me. I didn't bite a nail. I just looked at it and said, well, that was disrespectful. And that's all I said, right? And, and then, you know, and then it became a, a, a flat wasp, right? And so, uh, because I'm going to live this way. The Lord will bless me. And I expect him to bless me. Because he said he would bless me, the fruits of righteousness, right? If he said that, then I want it. And if I ain't getting it, then I'm, Lord, you, what's the deal? And so don't ask him that unless you, unless you want him to tell you, well, you remember what you said the other day? You remember, you know, they scored a touchdown, the other team scored a touchdown, and, and, uh, and they didn't even hear you, but you said all kinds of four-letter words because the other team scored a touchdown, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and I remember, uh, I know we'll go, and uh, I'll tell you this, we'll go, but we, we used to, uh, my, all my kids played soccer, right? And um, but especially when my girls played soccer, we were in they played soccer for for a, um, a public school. And uh, but a lot of the parents were Christian parents, you know, and I knew a lot of them. Some of them were elders in the church and stuff. And, and some of them were pastors of other churches. And uh, and uh, <laughs> I remember one parent in particular, they, they would just cause and fuss at the at uh, at everything and, and just uh, screaming, mad screaming, right? Not just, you know, screaming in support of their kids, but, you know, come on, do better, play better, you rotten kids, you know? And, uh, and, uh, and then they looked at me, of course, I never said nothing, right? But I, ne- you know, the only time I'd ever speak up, you know, I'd cheer my kids on. I never corrected my kids from the sideline. What in the world, you know? That's the last thing they did to me. He said, play better. Okay, dad, you come out here and run seven miles during a soccer game. I think every parent that, that complained to the kids, they should be required to go run as much as that kid played on soccer you know, just one game, and then they would never say anything. If they survived, they would never say anything again, right? But, uh, but, but this one elder of a church looked at me and said, I just can't, I just can't, keep, I just can't keep them yelling. Uh, and he said that because he knew I never said nothing, you know. Uh, and it's like, well, you could have, instead of learning from me, you could have learned from me in how I see the same game you see. My kids were playing the same level of game that you were. Kids were playing, right? They were both starters and, and, and played excellent games, and and, uh, you know, on occasion I would, you know, kind of encourage the ref to, to not allow harm to come to students because sometimes the refs would, would be terrible refs and they would let kids get hurt. And, you know, they, they shouldn't do that and they should be better at that. But, you know, I never cussed them any, any of them uh, and, and assured was, was not unkind to them. But, you know, they, they never learned, right? They, they, they thought, well, he just doesn't say anything. I didn't say anything because there was nothing to say, right? It wasn't in me. I wasn't biting a nail. It was just... It wasn't there to be unkind and be rude to my children. Uh, some of the, my uh, girls' teammates would come off the field crying because of what their parents were saying to them, not because of what would happen on the field, because they play better, you know, you can do better, you know, that. It's just the worst, right? And now, I never said nothing to those parents. They didn't ask me. Uh, uh, and um, I, I remember one pastor, you know, was there for several of the games, and he looked, and, uh, he didn't even say this to me, but he was talking to somebody else for my benefit. He said, yeah, he never says nothing. Uh, and so, but he was screaming like everybody else was screaming. And, and I'm thinking, I want the fruits of righteousness. I want blessings to come in my life. And if, and, and if I got to put off the old man, not just suppress him, bury him, keep him hidden until I need him one day, right? Because sometimes people, I got this ace in a hole, you know, they're, ah, they need to show the, the mean guy, right? I don't, there's no mean guy, right? You look, in, there's no, you, know, you look in my pocket, there's no, he's not in there, right? So... Uh, and it's okay to live that way. It is perfectly fine and normal and healthy and spiritual to live that way. Amen. And don't let the church or the world or anybody else tell you otherwise. Well, you know, you're a human being. You, you know, those things just come out every now and then. Not if, you, not if you do what Paul said, put them off. Amen. So can we have the fruits of Can we be crammed with the fruits of righteousness? See, I want to be crammed full, right? 
I want to, you know, I want to, when the, when the top comes off, it just, you know, it's, you know, it was so full that, you know, it, it just comes out when, you know, just, just so much there, right? That's what I want to live with. I don't want to, for the, the, the lid, lid to come off and just a moth flies out, you know, and there's nothing in there. I, I want it to be crammed full. Amen. Uh, is it worth the effort? I think it's worth the effort. I mean, what do you get? What's the fruit of righteousness? Sounds pretty good to me. Whatever it is, it sounds pretty good. I think I want it. Amen. And so let's pray, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, you said that we can be crammed with the fruits of righteousness if we choose to walk in love. And so, Father, it's a choice by faith that we can do every day. And so, Father, we choose to live this way. Uh, and we ask you to help us live this way. Father, show us the path and the things you said if, if, if we abide in you and your words abide in us. And so, Father, as we abide together, you'll show us the path of righteousness that we should take and things that we need to put off, things that we need to remove out of our lives so that they're just not there. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And um, the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and so we've got some good, some good things to talk about next week when we get to verse 12. Um, Got the, got the, I got an answer to something I've uh, been trying to get an answer to for a while. So you'll have to wait till next week to come back, right? So I right, will come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And so don't forget Friday night prayer, right? Uh, Saturday, 10 a, uh, Friday night prayer at 7 p.m. Friday night uh, or Saturday morning at 10 a.m. We'll be here at the church to, to take the decorations down. And then Sunday um, uh, will be our church meal after the regular service, right? Uh, and um, all right, and the other thing I'm, I meant to mention too was you know we talked about the 52 week challenge but, uh, about inviting uh, at least one person to the, to the church every week we also have invitation cards that are on the back table there somewhere so uh, it, it helps it has all the uh, details of the church location and times and all that stuff there so uh, if that would help for you to take some of those with you uh, help yourself to those on the, on the back table there so all right, praise God. We'll be blessed, and we'll see you all Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? So.